0: I am going to talk about um, our purpose in life. Who doesn't want to know their purpose in life, right? Who doesn't know, want to uh, ask the questions, who am I? What am I here for? (laughs) The typical questions that we uh, contemplate in life. Well, if uh, we believe that God is our creator, if we believe that, God is evident in the cosmos as we look up into the skies, Um, if we believe that uh, God possibly for the rest of the world revealed himself maybe through the Bible and speaking through the prophets, Christians we certainly believe this, if God revealed himself in this way, well it might seem reasonable to look in our origins. Our origin stories. Um, It might be uh, reasonable to kind of be a biblical archaeologist, right? Archaeology uh, these days, um, you know, digs in the dirt and finds little clues of a pot, of a, a little piece of metal. And they're all excited, right? Because it gives clues to possibly who we are and all that So last week, the last couple of times we've uh, been journeying, um, the last couple of weeks we've discovered, we've been uh, uh, journeying through Genesis 1, we've discovered that we are the offspring of a powerful, creative, awesome creator who made the cosmos with order, unspeakable beauty and incomprehensible vastness. You can study the sciences forever and never come to the end of God. We discovered in Genesis 1 that we were indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. Created with glory and honor, top of the food chain of all earthly beings. Created a little lower than angels. And God bestowed his very image of himself on us. All that is good in humanity we can see the image of God. When you are creative, you see God. When you are powerful and can master your field or subject, you see God. When you right the wrongs of the world, when you bring hope and healing, when you encourage others with the fruit of the Spirit, we see God, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, When we do these things, we reflect God. We see God. When we see male and female, all that is good in masculinity, we see God. All that is good in femininity, femininity, we see God. Humans were set apart, holy. God wants us to be holy. God is described as holy, 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 right? Really, really set apart. And by the way, in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, when something's repeated three times, it's kind of an exclamation point on what they are talking about. And also the number three is a symbol for perfection and completeness. So when you see the character of God, God is perfect. God is complete. God is whole. So... We've spent a little time in Genesis 1 looking at the master painter, the sculptor, the creative genius behind our cosmos and us as creation, right? Well, today we're going to discuss that we were called out of the world. We were made on purpose, for a purpose. We discussed that last week, and that is kind of general, a little bit, right? We were made on purpose, for a purpose, and today... Uh, we're gonna get a little more specific. So if you're look in your outline, it describes kind of a three point outline. That's a good discipline for myself. Um, the first purpose is to be a good soldier. The second one is we're gonna get a little more concrete, okay? And then the third one, we're going to get a little more specific. So who am I and what am I here for? Uh, Last week, again, we discussed we were called On Purpose for a Purpose. And this week, we're going to get a little more specific. And I think it gives clues in Genesis 2. We're going to be like uh, biblical archaeologists, all right? We're going to go back to our origin story, back to our first, the first, our spiritual parents, Adam and Eve, Okay, the first one, I believe we are to be a good soldier in God's army to fulfill God's will and purpose and kingdom. We are to be a good soldier in God's army to fulfill God's will and purpose and kingdom. Now that's a little bit general, right? It's a little general, a little abstract, but... um, Why do I use this uh, uh, terminology that we're to be a good soldier in God's army to fulfill God's kingdom? Well, I think it's there uh, in scripture for us. Um, In your handout, I believe I'm reading in Genesis 2.8. If you want to open your Bibles, it's uh, Genesis 2.8. We saw that the Lord God planted a garden, right? Planted a garden in the east. He made trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food, and He provided for all of Adam's needs. And then in verse 15, this is where I believe God wants us to be good soldiers. Because the Lord took the man, He put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Get these terms here. It wasn't a negotiation. It wasn't, uh, he didn't, Adam didn't take a survey, a personality survey. Uh, he didn't take a spiritual gift survey and say, what do you want to do? What did God do? God, the Lord God took the man. And then he put him in the garden of Eden. To work it, take care of it. And then verse 16, and then the Lord commanded This sounds like the military to me. (laughs) The Lord took the man, he put him in the garden, and he gave him commands. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from this tree. And then we know uh, the consequences of that. And uh, so God set up an interesting relationship with Adam, the first human. God called Adam. He took him. He put them in time and space, and he set ground rules boundaries to respect god's words god 's position and adam's position you're a soldier here, okay so I believe that's the first our first purpose is to know what our what our job is what's our job in this world self actualization uh, pleasure to accumulate wealth to uh, uh, Start a family, raise kids. What is it? I believe our first um, uh, role is to understand who we are. God establishes who we are, our place in this world. A soldier, you could even think um, like special ops, um, Navy SEALs. A you know, soldier sounds like a soldier, a foot soldier. A soldier needs to know their place. They need to be able to take orders, Right? Know their place, not go a wall like we talked about last time. But you think of our the different roles one can take in the military, right? Um, a special ops, a commander, a chief, a Navy SEAL. Even our superheroes, we glorify these things on TV, right? Superman. Think of think, think of Superman. Superman. Uh, Wanted, he was a, an ordinary person on whatever planet he came from. Does anybody know? He was raised on Krypton? Okay. So he was an ordinary person, right? He didn't have superpowers, super strength, right? But on earth, he was called to be enlisted in, on the side of good to fight evil, and through his struggle and story uh, line with uh, Lois Lane, he just wanted to be an ordinary person time after time, right? But uh, over and over, he needed to uh, fulfill his calling to fight good over evil. So that's our first uh, uh, purpose, is to know our place, to be a good soldier in God's army. God took the man He put him in the garden, and then he gave him commands. Okay, the second one. A little more concrete uh, from being enlisted in the army. Okay, what's our assignment? We went through boot camp. God noticed that, in Genesis 1, God noticed that uh, everything he had created was good, right? And after he had done creating humanity, us, God said what? It was very good. But interesting, Genesis 2, God God, uh, introduced a term, something was not good in paradise. Something was not good. And what was not good? It was not good that his creation, people, were to be alone. So God corrected this by making a suitable helper and then human's job, becomes more concrete, and that is to, I don't know if I should give you the answers so far ahead of time. I'll get to it in a second. <laughs> um, so whether you're married or single or not, the point is it's good for man not to be alone. It's very similar to Ecclesiastics that two are better than one. So let's look a little closer, if you have your Bibles, in Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So I believe God accounted for every need for Adam. He made Adam, however, to be a social being, not meant for solitude and not complete without community. So if we look in our Bibles in verse 19, the story kind of goes like this. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever he called them, each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to the livestock, the birds of the sky, and the wild animals. So I don't know about you, but I've always been curious why God gave Adam this task so if we're biblical archaeologists are we all to be biologists are we all to be farmers right i mean that's what adam and eve did that's what god called the first humans to do um but as we dig a little further further we read that this story many times but uh I'm not sure in your handout, there it is. I have my old handout, there it is. I have the copy with all the answers. I want to make sure I'm uh, following along with your outline, that's the same of mine. Um, So specifically, it's interesting if we analyze what was Adam's task in the garden, right? To name the animals, take care of it, you know, uh, eat, don't touch uh, the, the, the tree from the tree of life and knowledge. Um, it's interesting that Adam get, was given the task of naming the animals. And I think it had two reasons. This may or may not be in your outline. It had two reasons. One... The task that God gave Adam is the exact same God divine task that God did earlier. Naming Adam was the first time that God gave a name to the creation. Um, in, earlier in, in Genesis 1, it just says God made man as image, male and female. He created them. But Adam is the first time he gave him a name. So it's interesting that the first task that he gave the new Adam was to name creation, the same thing. So what's significant about that? Um, I think that there's something deeply covenantal about naming an animal, naming a creation. Have you ever raised animals, right? What do they say what you're not supposed to do with raising animals for food? Give them a name. Right? If you have chickens, if you have uh, guinea pigs, if you have whatever, you're not supposed to give them a name. Because once you do, what happens? You're attached to it. It's going to be super difficult to see Guinea the guinea pig on the table. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard to see uh, the pet chicken all chopped up in front of you. So I think there's something deeply personal about giving something a name. And as we look back, that's what God did to Adam. And in fact, that's the first task that he gave Adam to do, was to name all the animals. I think that's what uh, an interesting covenantal relationship. What came to mind was um, Charlotte's Web and Wilbur, right? (laughs) Wilbur became. uh, It was a whole drama of him going to the, possibly going to the slaughterhouse. Um, But an animal with no name is just an animal. This is how Henrietta the heifer is now just without a name. Henrietta the heifer is now just beef that we eat, right? Wilbur the pig is just pork. Venison. Is what? A cute baby cow. (laughs) Okay? Once you name it, there's this interesting connection with the creation. Humans, in fact, have done the opposite, if we take this a little further. When in war, what do we do? What do countries do? We dehumanize our enemies. We don't think of them as whatever, their country. We don't think of them as, as uh, husbands, fathers, with names. We think of, we give them names of animals, in fact. Humans have done this. So I had a really, uh, I've never really thought about this until digging into it. So I'm hoping you're, in, I'm enjoying this uh, uh, biblical archaeology as well so again adam was given number one the task of naming the animals and calling them my name and by doing so the second thing i think came from this lesson that god taught a powerful object lesson was that there was no one suitable to be adam's helper that is all the other animals were kind of paired up you know um as he named them two by two, kind of like uh, Noah, as he brought them two by two, he no doubt saw that they had a little brood, that they hung around with each other. And it obviously uh, showed a stark contrast that he kind of looked around probably and said, man, I'm all alone. (laughs) I'm all alone. So at the end of the naming of the animals in verse 20 so man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the wild animals but for Adam there was no suitable helper that was found so this was the second thing that uh, uh, naming of the animals was for and so God created a woman out of his rib, and he brought her to the man. And then Adam said, what? He said, now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did he say this? I think so. God made clear that the bird was not a suitable helper. He made, it made very clear that the fish was not a suitable helper or a whale or any other four-legged animal. You know, God saw the baboon who has had four legs and maybe walked around and thought, maybe? No, that's not going to happen. He even named her probably Betty the baboon. But it was obviously that was not a super uh, suitable helper. But God created a counterpart out of the same, remember this guy's in college, the same order, phylum, species, homo sapiens. The same uh, type of person, homo sapiens for Adam. And Adam celebrated. He exclaimed, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Thank God it's not Betty, Betty Boo the baboon. <laughs> he could have said this, but the woman was flesh of his flesh. She, for Adam, she looked like me. She smells like me. She enjoys the same smell. Food as me. We run at the same pace. So for Adam, he exclaimed uh, joy at, uh, at, at a woman created for him. So I think this is the second purpose. This is the second purpose, that we were created for community. The second purpose uh, the first purpose is that we're enlisted in God's army to usher in God's kingdom, kind of general. All right? We're not sure where our assignment is going to be. Are we going to be simply a private, uh, uh, a lieutenant, a general? What is our role going to be? I believe in the second uh, point out of Genesis as far as our purpose is that God calls us to usher in God's kingdom in the community. And how do we do this? And it's clues at the end of, of uh, Genesis 2. For this is the reason, that is why a man, it's in verse 24, that is why a man shall leave his father and mother, be united or cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that is the little hints in your handout. I believe this is more specific. This is, uh, this is our purpose in life. As we go back into the garden in Eden, we are to leave, cleave, and become one. Now, we start out as children, right? And then we grow up, and then we're to leave. We're to grow up and become mature. This is our task in life. Next, we are to cleave unto other people. We're not meant to be alone. Uh, Eve was like Adam's yin to his yang, right? For us uh, Asian people, that kind of makes sense. That's kind of how I I believe. That's how how Chinese uh, describe yin is more feminine, yes, or soft. Yang is more hard. And the opposites uh, make a whole. Of course, we're not getting into Eastern philosophy, but it's just another way to to describe Adam uh, and Eve becoming one and a whole. So I think this is our task, is that we are to leave and cleave to other people. A funny uh, illustration just pops in my head, and that's uh, the Flintstones, the modern Stone Age family. There they there they were, uh, cavemen, so to speak, Stone Age family. You couldn't think of two more opposite uh, characters, character types, right? Wilma, how how did Wilma ever get together with Fred? (laughs) Right? It's just two polar opposites. So in uniting, cleaving, it implies that two people are separate. And there's this lifelong task, lifelong uh, work to cleave to other people and become one is the goal. So I believe Adam and Eve is our model for all people uh, to leave, cleave, and become one is our vision. This is the ideal for us. This is our purpose explained in Genesis 2. Now, mind you, this is in paradise before sin entered the world. This is the ideal even before, even Adam and Eve did not achieve this goal for very long. So, to leave, to cleave, to become one is easy to put on ourselves as a goal. But realize this is our lifelong work. Even Adam and Eve did not fulfill this. And we'll probably get to that later of what happened when sin entered the world. But what can it look like? What does leaving, cleaving, and become one look like? There's a wonderful book, one of my favorite books. It's by Henry Nouwen. Henry Nowen. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And in the three chapters of the book, there's a wonderful movement of a whole chapter dedicated to the prodigal son, the younger son, a whole chapter dedicated to the older son, and a whole chapter created to the father, the main characters in the prodigal son story. And it's an interesting movement of what i'm trying to say here is leaving is this task of becoming mature becoming mature and in the prodigal son story there's these wonderful movements in the three chapters of the book Uh, the prodigal son story is obviously a story of of overt sins of commission right Uh, external things that he took his father's money and spent it on wild living and left his family and responsibility. As opposed to the older son, older maybe he was more mature, maybe, uh, uh, just by age, but overtly he didn't go off to that far off land. But the rest of the chapter talks about his internal struggles of what far off land did he actually go to? go-to, right? He had lots of jealousy, anger, um, comparison, unforgiveness, maybe entitlement, lots of things that he needed to grow in maturity to. Then the last movement of the book is where we could find ourselves in the parable, in the younger son, the older son, and then the full act of maturity is to Become like the Father is to become like the Father, is to welcome, is to be forgiving, uh, to be kind, uh, where the Father explained. We had to celebrate because the son of this son of mine was dead, but now he's found, so he celebrates. So that is a picture of what it is like to leave, become mature. By cleaving. Something more practical, Um, in your little handout, that's probably why I was a little bit late this morning, down at the bottom there is uh, a reference to the number one thing that makes relationships successful. Psychologists have studied 40,000 couples, and they have found that this one characteristic, they could predict in 15 minutes if couples will be more successful Stay married, stay together, or split up and end and, and in divorce. And that is the act of turning toward. The act of turning toward. By acknowledging people and engaging with them, eye contact, quality time, um, responding to people's uh, conversation, their... Their need to debrief and talk, as opposed to turning away, actively ignoring or the attempt for people to connect. Or, definitely what's not going to bring people together is turning against, irritably or angrily shutting someone down when they're wanting to connect. The act of turning toward builds affection and a sense of teamwork, which helps strengthen the foundation of lasting relationships. It says, if, of course, it's impossible to always turn toward your partner or significant other. If you're, um, this is talking about um, couples, but just generically thinking about anyone in your immediate family, friends as well. Of course, it's not always uh, possible to always turn to your partner, but in their studies, people who stayed together for at least six years turned toward each other 86% of the times, and the ones who split up only did it 33% of the times. So there it is, just uh, some practical things for you that I listed. Um, As we're going from general, what are we to do? Fulfill God's uh, calling, our purposes in life, And to do it in community with those around you is to turn toward our little things that we could begin to do. I guess it's time to end. (laughs) All right, the, the third point here is not only leaving, cleaving, and becoming one, what, is, what does it look like, specifically, besides these little practical things? What does it look like? I believe it's listed here. Verse 24 says, that is why man shall leave his father and mother, unite or cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this is what it looks like. Verse 25, and they were naked and unashamed. They were naked and unashamed. This is the payoff. This is what it looks like. Now, was it simply that they didn't have any clothes on and they were not embarrassed about themselves? I don't think so. I mean, this is before the fall. This is before sin. Why would, they, why would this comment be there that they were uh, disclosed, didn't have any fig leaves on, and that they weren't bashful or shy or felt shameful? I don't think it's as simple as what it reads. But if we think about it, what is, it, what is it to be naked, emotionally, relationally? To be disclosed and and under and, and taken off all our masks is to be vulnerable, right? Is to be vulnerable, is to be real, is to be authentic, is to have no masks, no makeup, <laughs> for you ladies, <laughs> men will be equal opportunity. No false pretense. No shoulder pads. No steroids. No plastic surgery. No false eyelashes. No shiny piercings. No designer accessories, bags, watches, jewelry. No false grills. No white. No teeth whiteners. Skin whiteners. Lifts, tucks. All these other things. All the things that have false pretense. As a physical therapist, I just can't comprehend Butt implants to get that bubble butt. Did you realize that? People get butt implants to make their butts rounder. As a therapist, it's like, just do some squats is all you need to do. Talk about false pretense. To be naked is to be real, right? To be naked is to take off the mask and be real. And the next part of this is interesting as well. It's the other part of it, the community part. Naked to be, naked is to on our, on our side, is to be authentic, real, vulnerable about our fears, our goals, our dreams, what, everything that's going inside of us. But to be unashamed cont- gives the idea of to be yourself in community with another person, to be unashamed with another. Wow, Wow! this is the state of community with another. One another with our family, our significant others, our small group, your church, your brothers and sisters. In fact, the term one another, you have heard is used often in the Bible, right? A quick search in, in uh, my Bible program shows that it's the the word term one another is used one hundred and ninety times in the Bible. One hundred and ninety times. We were it was not good. We've established that humanity is to be alone. We are meant to be in community with each other, and this is how we fulfill God's purposes in our lives: is to usher in God's kingdom in community. With one another. So, in wrapping up here, this could certainly have in happen in marriage. That's the goal, and but as we know from our spiritual um, first family, Adam and Eve, it doesn't always end perfectly. That is the goal. That is the vision. However. Is to leave, cleave, and become one, and then to be naked and unashamed. This could happen with our with other brothers and sisters. There's scriptures that say there are friends that stick closer than a brother. Now, uh, those of us that uh, are Asian, let's see. That's a funny statement. Those of us that are Asian here. <laughs> Uh, family is super important, right? It's ingrained in our DNA. Extended family is as well. But coming before the Lord, God gives us even something better. Family is important, but there are friends that can stick closer than a brother. And I have examples and examples, but, but you know what I mean, right? They do say blood is thicker than water, but the joy of having Brothers and sisters, spiritual brothers and sisters, a church family, a small group, people that we can rely on. God gives us a spiritual extended family. But it takes work. Um, It is very much you get what you put in as well. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. And I think I'll... There's many, many examples of this. Uh, Remember when... uh, Jesus came to earth and he was preaching at someone's house and someone who was paralyzed, his friends, they cut a hole through the ceiling. (laughs) So if you can imagine right, a hole coming through our ceiling, think about those four people who brought that one paralyzed person. There's a book called Stretcher Bearers. Imagine to have stretcher bearers in your life like that, that stick closer than a brother. So, in wrapping this up, I believe our purpose, who are we? What are we made for? I believe we are, God establishes that we need to be a good soldier. Uh, it may be a private Uh, Maybe God has uh, bigger things in store for us to have greater influence on people. I believe that's certainly where we start. We start with our immediate family, right? Our nuclear family, our extended family, our friends and neighbors. What is God calling you to? I believe we are to usher in God's kingdom in community with those around us. And today we're going to celebrate that joy of just fellowship, of thanksgiving for our church family. We're going to break bread together with friends maybe that uh, uh, we just met. Some of you are new to me. Uh, We're going to establish new relationships. And it is that process. And just uh, closing on this personal note is that, life is about moving towards and away from relationships, okay? It's dynamic. You know, yes, blood is thicker than water, but if you live any number of years, you know that things move and change away. They change, okay? It is uh, a process of saying hello and investing into new relationships and saying goodbye to others. In fact, uh, uh, by the way, thank you for uh, uh, approving my, my interim pastoring here and sharing at the pulpit. By choosing to do this, I am saying hello to you guys, which is going to uh, bring uh, interesting conversations and stories and connections, but I also have to say goodbye to the church family that I was spending 11 o'clock service with at another church. I have to say goodbye to my pickleball group that I was learning how to play a sport with because it conflicts with the same time. But that is what life is about. It is dynamic. So we establish here the ideal, okay? It is ideal. It's something to strive for. And actually, to me, it's exciting because everyone asks, what am I here for? Who am I? What am I here for? Everybody asks that. And it's fun and exciting as believers, of people of faith, to look in our scriptures in the beginning, to look at the first family, to, to be biblical archaeologists, to discover our roots, little clues of what we're placed on this earth for. So I hope you've gained um, some encouragement and through your little outline there that uh, God calls us into God's army to be good soldiers, to do what? Usher in God's kingdom in community. And in this community, it's going to be dynamic. People are going to change. People that you thought were friends for life end up not being friends for life. And that's a disappointment. But it is dynamic, and that's what God calls us to. So let's uh, bow and close in prayer. God, we just uh, we thank you for our local group of believers. Some have been friends for a short time, through a stage of life, and some have been friends for a lifetime. That God, we we uh, just express our thanks, our thanksgiving for those friends, those best friends, those friends for life, our lifelong partners, friends that we've uh, walked through life with through years, through decades, through specific seasons. God, you've uh, let us learn, let us learn to risk so that we can know and be known by our church family. May each listener today, God, have if they have ears to hear and eyes to see uh, what our true purposes, our purposes are here on this earth. It is defined and discover back in the Garden of Eden that it's not good for us to be alone, to be a good soldier, to soldier on in becoming mature, learning to be interdependent on others. We thank you, God, for our significant others, our best friends, our BFFs, our brothers and sisters, friends, spouses. May we all strive for oneness where we are can be disclosed Vulnerable, naked, and unashamed, God, where we are authentic to be known, to know and be known. God, we're going to give thanks for our Thanksgiving potluck that uh, you've described, that your kingdom is is depicted like a feast, and we're to enjoy in all the goodness of a feast. And if there's not enough people, God, we're to go out and grab people, (laughs) And bring them to your goodness. So God, we think about the empty chair that's going to be next to us. We, think, we uh, rejoice that we are in the fellowship, God. That we are uh, drinking from your fountain of, of uh, joy and love and forgiveness. But we think about that empty chair, God, of who that you're going to use to invite and bring them into your folds, God. Because you said, Lord, all there's more people in heaven that rejoice after one sinner that repents. So our invitation is always open to those that would humble themselves and start to follow you, God. So in these things we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.